Hello, welcome back to The Red Path. Today, Dara and I are going to talk about our top five units for the World Eaters. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm joined again by Dara. And we are here to talk about our top five units for the World Eaters right now. Um, this was something I'd originally intended to do about every three months back when I started the channel. Uh, but then a little something happen happened at the start of 2020, which kind of threw off the meta for everybody. And there was quite a bit of stagnation for about a year. Um, so uh, Darren and I were just talking about my last top five uh, quite an interesting, interesting pick, uh, and I'm trying to remember why I did it, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, Dara, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good, man. Uh, it's it is a really interesting one. Like looking back on that old top five, I think it um, it shows a lot of like sort of uh, player maturity over time. That like yeah. you know, a lot of the units that you had picked there, and definitely like I would have agreed with it at the time, were sort of like. Oh yeah, like you know, they were good or whatever. Um, but like as time went on, they were just good, and we started to like kind of find those those units that really tick, kind of over that uh, just good line and stuff. You know, yeah. so it's really interesting to see. I think there's a lot of like it's a good sign of like player development on all of our parts to uh, be able to recognize that maybe some of those units aren't exactly necessarily as good as we yeah. had maybe initially suspected that they might be. But yeah, so. Uh, obviously, some of them are the same that we've picked, and then some are different again. But yeah, yeah it's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, just for any, any uh, guys watching, uh, we don't know our top five. So I don't know what Daryl's top five is. He doesn't know what mine, and we're going to kind of stagger them. I up feel like there's going to be some crossover. Oh, there's right? got to be. I, I know <laughs> yeah. there's one unit that better be in both of them. <laughs> but um, I, and I just want to uh, mention something briefly here. Um, like, although this is a top five, which is traditionally seen as something like a kind of clickbaity, you know, uh, meme sort of video, I think there is value, especially on something uh, that Dara just said there. Because, you know, back in uh, January, um, the list I posted, what, or the top five I posted, was so incredibly different to, to what we've both got. I'm assuming it's different to Dara's anyway. Um, it does show, as you said, mate, player development. You know, we've had some some big events happen over the last basically a year. We've seen things change. There's been other codexes come out which indirectly, you know, buff or debuff our units because, you know, certain things become more powerful. So I think there is value in this kind of unit tracking, you know, for a for a sub-faction focused channel like this, you know, what both of our top fives, even if we've come up with identical top fives, I don't think that means that every World Eaters player should go and buy what we picked, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this is our top five. It's like what's working for us, but I'm sure if you were to ask a lot of other people what their top fives are, it's really going to differ. And I think uh, a lot of the reason why the top five unit selection has like evolved so much since the last time is because there's been... So I think it's twofold. Like, there's been a lot of discussion over the last, uh, we'll say, year, basically, mm -hmm. where you know we've been able to chat to a lot of like-minded players. We've been able to have some 
really interesting discussions in various forums and groups and, and here on the channel in the comment section as well. And uh, I think it's like really like kind of changed, definitely for me anyway, it's changed my viewpoint on a lot of units that I previously would have, you know, been less inclined to bring. And then mm. uh, certain units that I was very favored towards have now kind of like slipped away from me and stuff like that. So it's a mix of that. And I think um, a bit of like sort of, we've had such a long time of having the same codex and the same books to work from. And obviously that's not great, but having this like really, really long period of time to focus on that book means that we've had so much time to pull the best out of the book that we can. Yeah. So again, like as the reps are coming in, as time is going on and the meta is evolving and changing, we're having to continuously look back at our book and try and find units that maybe we glossed over initially that now fulfill a role that they didn't before. You know, it's even as like secondaries change, as new codexes come out, we're having to look back at our old codex and say, hey, you know that unit that I used to never bring? Maybe now there's a place for it. Or maybe there's a unit that you used to always bring. It was like a staple in your list. And now it either has to change or has to go yeah. by the wayside for the time being. So yeah. I think it's really interesting from that perspective. Um, and that's kind of why I think the video is very relevant too, because like you can really see, you know, if you were to watch this and then um, watch the old video, you probably see like, such a drastic change in our approach to how we're playing the world leaders and stuff. So yeah, from that perspective, I think it's a, a really fun one to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just, just to follow on from that. Okay. It's a bit of a sidebar. So for anyone who runs, who, who tries to do like a YouTube channel or something, as you're doing your research, you find out there's this thing called a call to action, right? That is the part in your video where you're supposed to tell people to like and subscribe, right? Now, the reason I bring this up is relevant because I, I'm supposed to mention Patreon and like and subscribe. Fuck all that. Discord. I've really been pushing our Discord in the last few videos. This isn't something that we get any kind of, you know, monetary payback. What we do get is a bunch of really intelligent, knowledgeable folks talking about world eaters. And the, the core of my top five is honestly based on learning stuff and seeing other people's experiences, hearing their battle reports, having people do the math hammer from our Discord. And it's such a valuable resource, I think. Now, you know, if you've got access to a, to a local, you know, gaming group or something like that, certainly use whatever resources you can. But I think if you're a World Eaters player and you're not in our Discord, you're missing out. Like, we've got certainly two of the top five uh, Chaos Space Marine players in there right now, like in the world, like Mark and Mike, are, you know, I think they're both still in the top three, actually. I know there was a little bit of a change after Orlando, but, you know, and then there's a lot of us who have put in a lot of thought and stuff into World Eaters. I think we're all learning a lot from each other. So I do think as my call to action today in an effort to self-promote the channel, come and join the damn Discord, everyone. I, I, I want to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on on world eaters basically but um that aside let's get into it now dara what is your number five unit for the world eaters cool so my number five is the termitral <laughs> which okay. uh probably like isn't hugely surprising to anyone um but, number five i'll be honest yeah i mean i just think that the value uh you can get from the other four units ahead of it is a bit higher okay. um however obviously you know everyone loves knows i love the drill uh and a lot of people love it as well you know i think I, i've 
started a little bit of a revolution with it. But yeah, so uh, I guess like there's a couple of key things in every world leader's army, which is quick engagements, um, solid combat potential and safety for delivering your berserkers into the heart of the fray. And I think the termite in terms of safe delivery is probably, um, you know, one of our best options. Uh, And just obviously it has like fantastic damage potential. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go through it all again here. Like, Y'all have heard me ramble about the drill so much. You did but, an hour-long video on it. So. Yeah, like literally. Um, so yeah, like the drill is is just, I think it's still really useful. It's still really relevant. I've had a lot of games with it. I love it in all my games. You know, you got so much different things you can do with it. And as a mechanism to deliver your berserkers, which are the bread and butter of your list, it's a great mechanism for that. Not discounting the Rhino. I still think the Rhino is very relevant in certain builds. But uh, for me, the Termite Drill just really packs the punch. It gives you good survivability, especially against those high damage weapons because the toughness eight really, really helps it. Um, And as you'll see in one of my other choices, there's ways of like making it even tougher. But yeah, so that for me is my number five. So yeah, what's what's number five for you, Jamie? Raptors. Now I was hesitant to put them at number five because they are such a strong unit. Like they are incredibly strong in World Eaters, and I'd be, um, I think I'd be fairly safe to say of any Legion Raptors could go in, World Eaters would be the best. Um, whilst other like Night Lords, Empress Children can do like some basically guaranteed charges, the reason Raptors are so good is because you don't necessarily want to be getting them into combat. They are action monkeys, and its apoplectic frenzy is the sole reason they are good for us. So I suppose maybe Alpha Legion can benefit from them. But combining that with our play style um, of, of wanting to generally push quite far up the table, they're good skirmish troops, they can grab a primary, they're power armor, so they're, they're, they're fairly resilient. I mean, they still need two wounds. But for their 75 points for five models, the you know what, they, they can do some work in combat, you know, especially against low-tier infantry, you know, guardsmen, termagants, stuff like that. They'll carve a path. But ultimately, they're there to get you a engaging all-front quadrant. They're there to get you a first-turn retrieve Octarius in one of the harder quadrants. And, and once they've done that, you're pretty okay with them dying, quite frankly. And I think with the, the point of the game being scoring victory points, Units that get you victory points always have a place if they're efficient in doing it. You know what I mean? So they're not in my top three, obviously, because I think there are other things which are slightly more critical to your list because Raptors, are, in my opinion, are only good if you are running a list that generally favours retrieve and engage. If you're not bringing those secondaries or you're not building towards them, you maybe don't need Raptors. But yeah, there's other things, you know, body blocking, move blocking with them that they're super good for. But that's more of an advanced play, I think, for just a generic top five. I think I'm happy with them in fifth spot and watch them be Daryl's number one. (laughs) Actually, they're my number three. But you've got to do number four. So now you score. I know, but (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to like, um, repeat everything you've said yeah, but yeah on, yeah on the raptors point so they're number three for me okay and i i just totally agree with you like as action monkeys as point scoring units and it's literally i think you said it perfectly where it's like the game is about scoring points now mm-hmm. it's not about killing your opponents 
and you need units that will score you those points. You can yeah. see that sentiment echoed from all the top players. I'm yeah. pretty sure, like on the Orlando GT, that's what like uh, Nick and Paul were saying in the comment are in the commentary. You need to keep scoring those points, and you need units that can do it, and they do that so so well. Yeah. But I also interestingly believe that if you kit them in a certain way, they can be an exceptional uh, damage output unit. Yeah. So one one of the things I've been really playing around with um, these days is a 10 or 15 man squad armed with either three melting guns or just the chainswords and early doors, firing them up the board, getting them into combat turn one and just like not necessarily obliterating something, but just the knowledge that there are 10 or 15 of these jump pack infantry who can get AP2, so many attacks each crunching into your lines with all the stratagem support that they could possibly need mm-hmm. to do the damage. If anything, it's a psychological play in your opponent and they have to deal with them immediately. Yeah. So in the meantime, I have that big 10 man squad. I still have two five man squads on my yeah. list, you know, just doing the, doing the retrieve, as you said, scoring me those engage points. I just, I really love it. And uh, again, this is what we're saying about that discussion. I was put onto this play by uh, Mark and Foltz in Discord because they were like, hey, you need to try this, you know? Um, and consequently, I dropped the Hellblades on my list, which everyone knows I was a huge fan of, mm-hmm. and tried it out. And you know what? I, I loved it. I was like, this is fantastic. And uh, I think it was Jack Harper who took his Blood Angels to the Orlando GT. I was mentioning that yeah. game before. Man, like... I'm considering playing my Raptors the way he played his deck company um, as that early doors control to keep the opponent where I want them until I'm in a position where I'm comfortable with them moving out. And I really, really think that Raptors can be that, you know, they can just be there being annoying. So yeah, personally for me, massively love the Raptors. Okay. All right. And don't forget they have minus one leadership aura. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, they have like a fearsome I, I know, yeah. or something. Yeah, it's I think so you weird. Have to be within an inch or something. But something yeah. stupid, yeah. So what's your number four then? We know you're number three, so Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> so number four is the Leviathan Dreadnought for me. Okay. Um, nice. Again, you know, one of the units that I've kind of been championing for a while. I know it's like not necessarily exceptionally popular, mm-hmm. but uh going back to the core fundamentals of what makes a good world leader's army in my opinion so you know i've covered the transport i've covered the quick engagement that's the raptors like i was saying you need something to hold that midboard you need something yeah. chunky that can stay there and reliably spit out damage and be scary enough that the opponent doesn't necessarily want to move to you yes so for me the leviathan fills those niches it's tough uh it's pretty damn cheap for what it does in my opinion depending on its loadout its damage output can be exceptional uh it's a platform for vulkite which we all know vulkite is really really useful Mm -hmm. only getting more useful as new armies come out uh i think the grav flux bombard is exceptional it's going to only get better considering that we're looking at thousand suns we're looking at gray knights soon we're going to be looking at black templars Mm -hmm. if the rumors are to be believed we're looking at custodes coming up as well these high armor save units fall flat on their face next to Gravis. Yeah. And it's our next to Grav even. So like the Grav Flux Bombard just cripples those heavy infantry sort of stylists. I mean, like I've been bringing it a lot against uh, my regular Blood Angels opponent and man, like it picks up, you know, and that scene drill is brutal as well. So I just really like the Leviathan as a unit that sort of slots very nicely into the niche that the world leaders like to fill. I would say that niche can also be occupied by demon engines, but they require a lot more support. Yeah. Uh, they don't have easy access to minus one to hit, which the Leviathan does for a CP. Yeah. 
they kind of need a Lord Discordant around them to provide the buffs. They do tend to die a little bit easier. I just think, yeah, as Dreadnought chassis go, the Leviathan's got it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I do. Yeah. So hit me with your uh, number four. Okay, so my number four is the Dark Disciples. Not the Dark Apostle, but I the knew, Dark Disciples. I knew, I knew. Dude, I knew these were going to be in your top five. Well, I was thinking, right, and I'm like, they okay, so in truth, the Dark Disciples are my number one pick for the, the entire Codex for any Legion, no matter what. However, they have a Dark Apostle tax, right? That Unfortunately, I know... I know yourself and a lot of other players um, really like Dark Apostle because you are players who can remember things. I am not a player who can remember to roll a dice, dice at the start of every battle round. I just, I'll do it the first time and then I'll forget. So for me, the Dark Apostle tends to be a very mediocre, lackluster character that I keep forgetting to do anything useful with. And then I'm, man, I wish I'd have got that five up involved. And I, and then and and it costs me more than it wins, right? I get you. Yep. But the Dark Disciples, for anyone who's not familiar, if you take a Dark Apostle, you can bring two Dark Disciples for ten points. These are two very small infantry models, about the size of a cultist. Um, they they kind of have a janky character rule where they can't be targeted whilst they're within you know uh, two inches or three inches, whatever it is, of the uh, Dark Apostle. You're not worried about that. They they boost the Dark Apostle to do his prayer on a two-up. That's great. Their exceptional value lies in the fact that they are infantry, that they can perform actions for you, that they can hold objectives. They're not obsec, but they can still hold an objective. Um, and that they're uh, one power level. So you can, you know, they if you if you're strategic reserving something that costs eight or nine, and you just want to, you know, get the best out of that CP. Do you want to know how hard it is to screen out a couple of twenty five millimeter, a, tw- a couple of twenty five millimeter bases? Dude, it's, it's incredibly it's hard. It's so difficult, yeah. And it's inefficient yeah. to do it because you know we're playing on a rectangular board, but an aura is generally circular or oval for you know flyer bases and stuff, right? So to get that tiny little corner of the map screened out, you actually have to give up far more than you're you're gaining, right? And people aren't going to do that because often you're screening with units that are behind a piece of cover and, you know, you're screening out a squad of Marines or Berserkers or or a drill. There's always going to be a little gap for some Disciples to drop in and score you four victory points for Retrieve Octarius and the third or fourth quarter for your engage. Or behind enemy lines, that's another two points right there. So for 10 points, the amount of VP you can probably get is pretty ridiculous. And then if you don't uh, deep strike them, they are a super great unit to sit on one of your home primaries, and you couldn't give a shit if they die. That's 10 points of your army. That's nothing. So... It's, it's a value proposition for me. It's the amount of stuff you can get from such a small amount of expenditure, regardless of what they actually do for your apostle. I don't care about that. I just I think they're a superb unit, and I wish we didn't need to pay the tax for them, because if we didn't, I would be bringing, you know, three squads of them every day. No matter, that would be, I would put them in my list before I put Berserkers in my list, 100%. 
I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, no, for that. sure. I, I think they're incredibly resourceful. Like, yeah. they, it's literally like you said, I mean, they're, would you pay 10 points to score five to 10 points in a game? Of course you would. Uh, yeah. It's not a question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really like them. They also get Butcher's Nails and Chalk Salt, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, I had them, I uh, had a game, like a meme game on a TTS, and uh, they, they continually failed me in every turn. And as part of the meme, I uh, basically paid money to bring Khan back to life so he could kill them. Right? <laughs> nice. And he failed to kill them. Of course. Khan failed to kill them. Yeah, but so Karen they, can't kill anything. So <laughs> they attacked back and put a wound on Khan. Yeah, I've had my disciples take down Primaris Marines before. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, yeah. it's silly, but you know yep. what? It is what it is. So I'm going to go ahead and do my number three as well. Yeah, man. We know yep. yours. Um, my number three is Berserkers. Um, okay. I've got them in number three. We all know what they do. Um, they are certainly going to be, if you're playing World Eaters, you, you're having Berserkers. There is no reason why you would choose other troops instead of them you may supplement i supplement with both csm and cultists in my in my troop slots but you you there's no point in playing world eaters if you're not taking berserkers because not only are they a great unit no matter what and absolutely iconic and basically i think why every world eaters player fell in love with world eaters you know we're if you're a world eaters player you're a, you're a fan of world eaters. You're not just oh these are these are cool. No, we we dig them and berserkers are that reason. And honestly, it's the the fact that they have obsec which just elevates them for me because um, they're good anyway. Butchers nails, whatever stratagems are useful. They're a great unit to sink uh, you know strats into no matter what. Even if you're running five with uh, you know sword and axe or you're running a blob of 10 with, you know, a power fist or lightning claw on the channel. However you've got them set, they're always worth putting a CP or two on if the target is right. Um, obviously, that's determined on the game, but I think the obsec being able to move as much as they can move and then just capturing a, a primary objective and just even if it's contesting it, if you're contesting it, that's five, probably five, maybe 10 VP your opponent is not scoring next turn. So for an up to 10 VP swing for 90 to 100 points on a, on a basic squad, I, I think that's awesome. I, th I think it's incredible. Um, yeah, I just, we all know what Berserkers do. So yeah, I, I'm happy with them in third spot considering what my next two are. But what, what's, your, um, what's your number two? Yeah, so interestingly, my number two is actually the Dark Apostle. Okay. Which, yeah. uh, you know, after everything you said, you, you came out of my own heart. Uh, yeah, no, actually, I, I really love the Dark Apostle. So, like, in terms of HQ units that are actually worth their points in usefulness, we actually don't really have that many. Yeah. We certainly have a lot of HQs that are good. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of HQs that will actively make their points back either in terms of damage output or in terms of buffs to your own army that help for survivability or whatever it's it's not really there yeah. i think the exalted champion is one unit which uh you know i suppose honorary mention at this point he's fantastic for you know full rerolls to wound that's so good at exponentially increasing the damage for your berserkers mm -hmm. 
Well, for me, the Dark Apostle just comes with such a variety of different buffs that, um, you know, you can tool to whatever suits your army build. So, for example, the way I run him is with the five up invuln. So he shields those two termite drills at the start of the game. And it's fantastic because the jankiness of our old codex, he does that regardless of who's going first. So yeah. no matter what happens on a two plus, I should have an invuln save on my toughness eight drills, which like if I can mitigate a third of the damage coming in, it might not seem a lot, but when you're taking one third less las cannons or dark lances, man, that matters a lot. You know, that's like that's a lot of damage that could mm-hmm. potentially keep those drills alive. So for me, that alone would actually make him worth it for his pretty competitive price point. Yeah, uh, he also is the gateway to giving you the dark disciples. So. I use them in a similar way to you, where it's like all those fantastic uh, usefulness things. Uh, on top of that, at any point when you're casting a spare, you can flip it to Dark Zealotry, so he will give full rerolls in combat. So again, really, really good for amping up those Berserkers, amping up those uh, Leviathans, amping up the Drills. He's also so weirdly has a unique relic for the World Eaters in yeah. the Banner of Blood. Yeah. Which So the Banner of Blood is like, a good depending on your type of list because obviously with the on berserkers it's okay you know you give them an extra attack that's fine uh but on a dreadnought like a leviathan or on a termite drill or on a demon engine when an extra attack means so much more because it's such a powerful attack that's actually hitting them man like that for me is really really good you know um so i generally always bring the banner of blood now there is a lot of sort of uh, skill in learning when to deploy it correctly and the yeah. positioning around all that because if you move away from him in the combat phase you lose that effect so there's a lot to be said for that and he's actually not terrible in combat himself you know the accursed crozius is okay uh, so yeah for a lot of reasons I just find him and like it, this uh, again going back to the discussions that we've been having I was not hot on the apostle until Mike P kept pushing him to me. And I was like, all right, Mike, you know, I'll start using him. It's fine. Since I've started using him, I'm like, dude, I, I don't want any other HQs, you know, to the point that I was almost considering bringing two apostles in my current list. Yeah. But yeah, that's for me, that's my number two would have to be the Dark Apostle. I, I, I mean, I agree. I do. I, I know I've, um, I don't run one at the moment and my, my statement earlier, but that is literally because I forget to do it. I absolutely, the five up bubble is awesome, especially in your list because you tend to run the drills on the table. For, for, you know, I know it's not always going to be the case, but that is your kind of list strategy. And it's quite a popular strategy from, you know, what we hear in the Discord. A lot of people like doing that. And I understand why. Um, but because I always forget to cast my damn prayers, the apostle doesn't work for me. And that's that's a player weakness rather than a unit weakness so i just i literally build my list around that that's why i deep strike my drills because i always forgot to do the five up involve so i was like you know what i'll just make them invincible screw it you know yeah and i mean i think that's like it's an important point to well we can be as objective as possible when we're making these videos you still have to acknowledge that there is a lot in terms of player strength and player weakness like so the leviathans and stuff they really play into my own personal strength in terms of actually playing the game and like you said the apostle uh you don't bring him because he's like it's a weak point for you it's an admin point yeah exactly in the same way that like i wouldn't bring someone like we'll say you know how you bring cultists a lot of the time yeah i i don't bring cultists because i 
I'm not as good at using them as you are. So it's really interesting to have that comparison where it's like, yeah, we can tell you what we think is good. But, you know, a perfect example is uh, Mark with his warp talents. Like, he can say to me so many times, like, warp talents will be able to do this, that, and the other. And I'll be like, dude, I understand that you can use them that way, but I literally am unable to. It's not like, (laughs) it's a a player weakness for me, you know? I can't, I'm not as good using that specific unit. So it's a really important thing to address for yourself if you're considering, you know, how to build your own list is look at your own weaknesses, look at your own strengths and and play into those as much as possible. Yeah. So my number two is the drill. I I put the drill right up there at number two. I respect you for that. Yeah. Because, dude, it's legitimately changed how my list has functioned. What? Once I settled on how I needed to run them, because I did some experimentation, you know, a lot of games I was running them on the table, had uh, the Hellblades helping out and stuff. And that was that was like a community list. It wasn't really a Jamie list and kind of exactly what we just talked about. But from that, I pulled what I wanted. And the drills always impress me. They always do something. They, they may not kill anything, right? They will fluff their roles sometimes. If I, if I have to deploy them separate so, you know, they're not fully benefiting from a re-roll or something because sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, nevertheless, they, the, the worst case scenario is that my opponent, once they ask me what the stats are, they're like, okay, I'm screening out my entire backfield. I do not want a monster full of berserkers coming up in my backfield. And because the rest of my list is built about around it, it's kind of like a mini Death Star and then little pockets of board control. They screen, which reduces their ability to come forwards and meet me in the middle, which gives me more opportunity for the middle. Now, of course, some lists won't even care about that if they're running five blobs of, you know, gaunts or something like that. But regardless, it always does a job. Even if I screw it up and, you know, the dice don't care today, it doesn't matter for 190 points. It's 190 with the Volkite, With the Volkite, yeah. 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 Because that's how I'm running it. 190 points all day, every day. And I keep trying to figure out, do I want to invest in a third one and run three drills? Because yeah, I'm right there with you, to be honest. That's it's like a it's an idea that constantly kind of plays around in my head. I can't remember it might be Darka in the Discord, but someone does run three. Yeah, I can't remember okay. who, and they've always had success with it, and I can totally see that being but I, I'm the kind of player, again, going back to strengths and weaknesses, where I don't like to have too much of one thing in my list. I generally like to have two of things that I like, you know, yeah, so two Hellblades, yeah. two Leviathans. I say that I have three Leviathans on my current list, but I more than like the Leviathan. I am in love with the Leviathan. <laughs> I just think one of the, one of the potential advantages and abuses, abuses, maybe the wrong word exploits of the drill is the dedicated transport role. It's not Absolutely. bound by the yeah. rule of three. And I just think, you know, for under a thousand points, you could bring five of them. You could also squeeze about Dude, it's, or six It's like blobs. that Anakin meme where you're like, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I just, if, if, if you had five drills with Berserkers rolling up the board with the five up, no, it's not a broken, but how 
amazing is that going to look? Five drills on the board. Just what are you going to do? It's it's your is your list turned up to eight hundred and eighty eight, man? Because for sure, yeah, what, for sure. The amount of wounds at T eight with a three up, five up, full of berserkers. So you're kind of scared to blow them up anyway because angry bunnies jump out. I don't know, man. I just think that it, it, it depending on what our codex brings for us and how it affects our vehicles. <clears throat> the lack of core yeah. is interesting, and but I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm going to try pivoting to not relying on rerolls for it, quite frankly. So just to prepare. Yeah, see, I I'm kind of already there, right? Because yeah, the way yeah, I run my drills, the the only buff is the invul. Yeah. Probably going to lose that, to be fair, but I don't think it would be the end of the world because if I lose it on the drill, I lose it on the Rhino. Regardless of what happens, we still need a transport, you know, for our vehicles and stuff. Um, and if rumors are to be believed, there's a new Warpsmith model coming. New model means probably good new rules. Yeah. Who knows what those could be? Maybe he yeah. gives the drills a 5-plus and vulnerable out of But, um, yeah, it's... Look, it's an interesting one. It's it's a fantastic discussion to have. Maybe a topic for another video where we yeah. talk about the potential loss of uh, rerolls and auras and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, how that's going to affect units at Iron Core because I think something like the Leviathan gets massively impacted by that. Um, mm. Whereas you know a unit like the Contemptor, which is already good, having that core tag could rocket it into a whole new realm of yeah. good. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, for sure. All right, so tell us your number one. Yeah, so the number one for me is the Berserkers. I just, what a surprise, you know, it's a world leader player. But yeah, so like, I mean, to echo a lot of what you said, they're just so, so good in that troop role. And I, the way I see it is like the objective secured is a bonus that they have, um, but it does very much inform the type of play I make with them. So like in eighth for me, they were always like a huge, they were like the hammer blow, you know? It was like they, there's like the initial wave of whatever I was running at the time, be it demon engines or dreadnoughts or whatever that hits the opponent first. And it sort of starts to soften them up and detract from the incoming rhino rush, which then dislodges anywhere between 30 to 40 berserkers, depending on what I was running back in the day. And that was what would carry my list in sort of like a domino kind of cascading effect where it's like, it keeps pushing and pushing. And then some of the time it would just fail. And like a a county opponent would be like, well, I'm just going to shoot the rhinos and deal with the, you know, heavy rushers. Uh, later uh ninth fundamentally flipped how i use the berserkers because no longer are they really that sort of linchpin that my list either triumphs or falls down around uh now they're sort of like they're almost like an advanced version of what i use the raptors for which is scoring me as many points as i possibly can so naturally they're still incredibly efficient in combat but I launch them into combat to take over objectives now or to take into a position of the board that I want to be in or to neutralize, we'll say, a threat that I feel like can't be ignored. They're not really so much the ultimate combat wave that they once were. And that's partly because I run them in smaller squads a lot of the time now. But yeah, for me, it's just they're really a sort of toolbox unit. They have a lot of stratagems that can affect them. They have all the buffs in the world. Their troops... They have a fantastic stat line, despite the fact that they are three plus save and one wound. Everything else about them is amazing. You know, yeah. uh, like high strength, 
so many attacks. One damage, which actually I'm such a huge fan of one damage weapons when you can augment them as much as you can with Berserkers. Just because like all there's like um, basically damage mitigation minus one to damage is the new uh, minus to hit. You know, it's the minus to hit of eighth edition. Yeah. Of ninth edition. That's like what is hot, you know. So having a wave of damage one weapons that just push through all that and don't really care about damage mitigation. Okay. That's where it's at for me, you know? Yeah. So I guess like, you know, again, we've, we've talked about the berserkers for hours and hours and everyone knows they're fantastic. We're all world leader players here. It's probably what brought us all here in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I think just where they're standing in ninth, the way they can play the game so well for me, they are unequivocally like they go into every single list i run they're always the first thing i put in i yeah. just i can never fault them you know they're for me they have to be the number one yeah i, I understand respect the choice i mean that's how it should be really for sure dude so hit me oh. with your hit me with your number one i feel a bit controversial now um so my number one is actually warp talents and yeah you know, despite what uh, your comments earlier. So I have been, I won't say notorious, but um, certainly quite vocal ever since uh, basically through ninth, once we lost our ability to use um, the Vigilus uh, specialist attachments, right? Warp Talons started in eighth as, eh. then they took a points drop and they went great. Then they took a points hike. Yeah. Then Vigilus dropped and it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. let's 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 do this shit. <laughs> yep, yep. Come up, me bro. Then we lost lost them. Oh, we lost Vigilus, and I was like, ah, all right, shelved them again. Every time, oh, what fast attack should I take? Take Raptors. What about Warp Talons? No, too expensive. But what? what? No, they're too expensive. Shut up. Listen to me. Right? <laughs> Be quiet. There are yeah. so many points. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you know. Some discussion started, and then I, you know, uh, Mark ran them at um, ACO. Ben Sanderson ran them at um, ACO. And I'm okay, so they obviously work. Why are they working? Apoplectic frenzy. Hey, Mark, what's going on? Breaks it down. You know, squad of 10, 51 attacks on the charge. If you get first turn, it's a three-inch charge, turn one, 51 attacks, you know, you can throw Death to the False Emperor on there or, you know, on fives if you've got Imperium. You can go up to minus three on your AP if you need, but do you really need it in most situations? Probably not. You've got a reroll wounds inherently. You can vets them. They are... Again, it's a combination of our stratagems elevating a, a probably mediocre unit because they're just raptors with lightning claws. That's all they are. And they and swap five out, Well, yeah. They swap out their minus one uh, leadership for a almost, well, a, a 100% useless warp flame, warp flame strike because competitively you are not charging from... From no, deep of course strike. not. No, you, no yeah. never. You may deep strike for a different reason, but you, if you are relying on an eight or nine inch charge, if you've got violent urgency, you are not. You are. You may end up on the mid tables if you're lucky. You will not win games, or, or you will not win big games if your strategy focuses around an eight or nine inch charge. Not if you're sinking two hundred plus points into right, yeah. warp talents who if they fail that charge, will almost guarantee be wiped out. Yes, because they are still one wound, 
three up. And yes, they do have the five up. But it only goes so far. Yeah. At one wound, your opponent is throwing their small arms in there. So that's yeah, dude. Up, I was about to say, how many yeah. times does the fight of plasma, actually come in? You know, plasma, yeah. if they, you know, if they're running like plasma scions or plasma terminators, the rapid fire may go in there. But that's that's literally the only situation I can think of outside of some potentially exotic weapons on Xenos armies or something, right? Um, hotshot volley guns, I guess. But um they are if you get first turn, you're you're getting your points back, unless your opponent is has got a lot of cheap screening units, in which case you're removing the screen turn one, and then you're spending another CP to consolidate and tag in their shooty dreadnoughts or tag in their tanks, and they will die the next turn. And you may not trade up in points, but the the amount of destabilization you can cause with them. And if you drop them as one of your last drops, you know, focused across from what you actually want to kill, you will trade up and you will destabilize as well. And if you don't go first, you know, the frenzy allows you to redeploy them behind some ruins. As long as you put them in the right place where they're, you know, directly opposite where you want them to be, but within nine inches of some good cover or terrain, it's not a CP wasted. Throw them in the, in the first third of the no man's land they're ready to jump out and kill whatever hits an objective. I think, even though I'm not running them, and I know you you mentioned that they were a unit that you like. It's not how you play. One hundred percent valid. I, I like. I'm not running them because I can't. They don't. They don't replace my Leviathan. If I, the only thing I can really take out of my list without completely changing the list is the Leviathan. But I need something that does the job of a Leviathan in my list, i.e. being the thing that everyone wants to kill turn one and will take a horrendous amount of firepower. Warp Talons don't take a horrendous amount of firepower. They take all the bolters and las guns, which are probably not hitting my lines turn one anyway. Right, yeah, they have no other target, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, like because most of my infantry is in a transport or off the table, so they're plinking wounds. They're not. They're not hosing squads other than cultists, which is generally my target for their small arms. So I think warp talons are a unit that, unless you're a genius that finds that you've oh yeah three vindicators and a corn lord of skulls is an amazing list. I would generally say build, start with, you know, your Berserkers, your HQs, then get your Warp Talons in and build the list, not around them, but with that strategy in mind. They are a, they are 230 points of your list if you run the full 10. That's 10 over 10% of your list in one unit that generally has one trick and one opportunity to come off. But if it does... Against certain armies, I think you can almost win the game short of some incredible bad luck and bad play on your part. If you could break into their lines turn one with 10 warp talons and, you know, wrap around something, the amount of a shitstorm you could cause your opponent would be glorious. So that that's, I think... The reason they're number one for me is because I was so wrong about them before and so blinded to them to see that they, as overcosted and in need of two wounds as they are, the potential that is in them to, to swing a game if they are controlled well 
I think I think genuinely makes them the most highly accelerated unit for me. Maybe not the best unit we've got, so maybe I'm 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 placing them incorrectly, but just the sheer velocity of how good they have suddenly become in my eyes. I'm like, okay. Like I I, I bought 10 of them a couple of months ago because I was like, I'm I'm painting you again because I, I had them and then I broke the arms off and made them raptors. So <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, I want warp talents as well because I'm very suspicious of how they will be in when we get a code. I I think yeah, both both units are in for interesting changes. But yeah, I mean, I I can't fault anything you've said there. You know, it, essentially you're using the rap uh, the warp talents the same way I use raptors. So yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we did it though, dude. I yeah, think that's I think, a, a yeah. very interesting and comprehensive uh, top five with a couple of cool different uh, yeah. you know changes between each other. Yeah, I think I think you know it, it's nice to see. Even as you know, much as you and I talk and you know have uh, you know know each other quite well now, especially in relation to competitive world eaters, we can still bring bring some interesting differences. Like we have different you know thought patterns, ways of approaching it, um, and and that's honestly the I think a strength of the channel of our community. We're not saying you must run this list. There is yeah, there is sure. a list. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's what I was about to say. There isn't like the list, you know. Mm-hmm. That's where I love it. Like all, all like the main kind of players who are playing competitively, we all have different lists. I love yeah. it so much. But yeah, yeah. really interesting. I, I guess like you know, uh, in the comments, let us know what your mm-hmm. top five picks are. Everyone, be cool to see if there's any interesting differences, any units that you know we've completely glossed over that we might need to reconsider. Yeah. See, uh, that's how you do a call to action right there. Right. Yeah, I thought it was a good plug. So, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize, everyone. My camera keeps going out of focus. Um, just amateur hour over here again. Okay, so yeah, let's wrap it up there. Um, thanks, everyone, for watching. Again, like Dara said, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your favorite units. If it's something we missed out, are we we forgetting something? Uh, you know, let us know. Um, do consider joining the Discord. Like I've tried to champion it. It is a great resource that will help you up your game. So many great minds in there. Um, Instagrams and Facebook groups and all the links down below, all the stuff. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a dislike. Whatever. We're all good. But, yeah, till next time, stay healthy, stay safe. Kill me, bro. All right. Let me... Nice, nice, nice.